Too often we live failing to understand the sacrifice of others on our behalf. They gave their life for our freedom. It's important to honor those who did. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. Today is Memorial Day. As most of the listeners to this podcast live in the United States, I've not informed you of anything that you don't already know. That said, there are a number of listeners from a number of countries not called the United States of America, and so I would like to help them understand a couple of things. First of all, there are three days a year in which we commemorate and celebrate in a special way those who have served in the military of the United States of America. We have Armed Forces Day, which was just about a week and a half ago, and on that day, we honor those currently serving in the military. We will have a day in November, November 11th, known as Veterans Day. That's a day in which we honor all veterans of the United States military. Today, Memorial Day, which is always on the last Monday of May, we honor those who died in combat serving our country. And it is good and right to give honor to where honor is due. And to do so on all three of these days, but every day of the year, really. Because many of us live daily as if we live free by default. We don't. It has cost the lives of many fighting to defend our country. Fighting to defend the United States Constitution and the people of these United States of America. You and me. Now there's a song that I've enjoyed for quite some time, and a lot of people enjoyed it because it was a huge hit came out about 15 years ago. And I think most people, or at least some people recognize, but I want to make sure nobody misses the fact that this song was written and performed to honor those who gave their lives for the sake of others. I thank God for my life And for the stars and stripes May freedom forever fly Let it ring Salute the ones who die, the ones that give their lives, so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love, like our chicken fry. And cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio, oh, oh, I like to see the sunrise, see the love in my mama's eyes. Touch of a precious child and know a mother's love. Get your little chicken fry and cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. And the Zach Brown band paid tribute to and saluted the ones who died. They sacrificed their lives for our lives, for our freedom, for those things we enjoy every single day. And as Zach Brown sings, 
we don't have to sacrifice the things we love. And in the list of things that he sings about, we might consider some of them the smaller things or the less significant things in life, like fried chicken, cold beer on a Friday night, and a pair of jeans that fit just right. And then others, some of the bigger things in life, some of the more significant things in life. To see the love in my woman's eyes, to feel the touch of a precious child, and to know a mother's love. Last year, uh, in the podcast on Memorial Day, I highlighted former Major League players who died in serving our country. I believe there were eight who died in World War I and two who died in World War II. And these men, and I think I, I, I read their names, the names of all ten of them, if I'm not mistaken, are not household names, but they ought to be. That was a long time ago. And of course, we should remember those who died in wars going all the way back to the War for Independence, which was fought in the 18th century. But more recently, I heard about a former minor league baseball player, one who was not much younger than me, who left the game to fight for our country and ultimately died for our country, which means he died for you and me. John Morosi spoke about this young man recently on the MLB Network. Yes, Robert, good morning. Uh, Certainly on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember all those who made the ultimate sacrifice in service of our country. And one member of the baseball family who did was Major Stephen Reich. He was a decorated night stalker helicopter pilot who was tragically lost in Afghanistan in 2005 on his fourth combat tour there. Again, an extraordinary helicopter pilot, also someone who pitched briefly in the minor leagues before beginning his active duty service in the U.S. military. There he is pitching for Team USA at the 1993 World University Games. He's a member of the Army West Point Athletics Hall of Fame, one of the great pitchers ever at West Point. He was chosen to be, Robert, the flag bearer for Team USA at those World University Games in upstate New York. Now that's only the opening part of that segment. Major Stephen Reich played on Team USA, pitched, and his catcher and roommate was current Tigers manager A.J. Hinch. In the next segment of that, or next portion of that segment, A.J. Hinch talks about Stephen Reich. It's, It's something worth watching. Now, Stephen Reich was a pitcher in the minor league baseball system of the Baltimore Orioles, and some believe he would have become a major league baseball pitcher. But Major Stephen Reich gave up his career and then gave up his life for his country. Now, whether we're talking about those who played Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball or who never played a day of baseball in their lives, whether we're talking about somebody who's a fan of baseball or not, all those who gave their lives serving in our military are to be honored and thanked. We, you and me, would not have the freedom to play or watch or debate about baseball without the sacrifice of so many. And I want to read three quotes that I think fit well here. First, from General George Patton. It's better to fight for something in life than to die for nothing. Another general, Douglas MacArthur. No man is entitled to the blessings of freedom unless he be vigilant in its preservation. Finally, not a general, 
but a very quotable man, G.K. Chesterton. Courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. You can see that freedom carries with it responsibility. And also this, freedom doesn't only allow for blessings, though it often leads to people doing good things. Many times it brings about bad things, bad words, bad actions. At times it results in the things that we love and hold dear. But at other times it results in things that frustrate and irritate us. This is true in life. And this is true in the game of baseball. Sorry, at, at some point, that's only May 24. Yeah, I think he's going to be called out on this one, John. Let's see. Maybe not, because he would have walked back with Tori Lavella. So all that for nothing. He's not called out. It would be great if the Adrian Johnson popped his microphone on and just said, this is what's going on. And now, time is called again. And now, Kimbrell is being charged with the ball. And here comes Rob Thompson. What a joke. What a circus this game's turned into. Yeah, Rob's hot. He should be. That was Kimbrell supposed to do. Kimbrell's they ready had to a go. meeting for 15 minutes, and he steps on the mound, and they call him. This is a joke. It's all right. Keep making up rules until no one knows what's going on. And now Kimbrell and Rojas are going at it. So that took place last week. It was a game between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. As you heard there, that was the Phillies broadcast. Craig Kimbrell, the closer for the Phillies, was on the mound. And you can hear the color commentator on that broadcast having serious issues with this pitch clock fiasco. And it was indeed a fiasco. That color commentator is John Cruck, who said, what a joke in frustration. He was so upset. And then said, what a circus this game's turned into. Then he followed that up by reiterating, this is a joke. And then did you hear him say, keep making up rules until no one knows what's going on. It was a mask. It, it was truly a fiasco brought about by the pitch clock. But if you're young, if you're not a Phillies fan, or maybe if you haven't followed, say, the San Diego Padres from decades back, you might be asking, well, who is John Cruck? Well, John Cruck is a man who played 10 years in the major leagues, retired as a 300 hitter in Major League Baseball. In other words, a very good baseball player. After his career was over, and I'm not sure how quickly, but it has been multiple decades, he has been covering Major League Baseball. He has done so for ESPN. He's done so for the Phillies. So he's a man who's been around this game at the Major League level for a long time. And he was extraordinarily frustrated. And I believe rightfully so. Now, that's some of the bad. On the more enjoyable side of things in baseball, more enjoyable for baseball fans in general, for the Phillies, and for Cruck and Kimbrell. Something happened later in the week in which we saw how freedom, the freedom that has been fought for, that men and women have died for, freedom has allowed a boy from Huntsville, Alabama to grow up to become a Major League Baseball pitcher. 
and to reach a remarkable milestone. Well, here we go. Craig Kimbrell with 399 saves, trying to become baseball's eighth man to reach 400 saves in his career. Fly ball. Shallow center field. Marsh says he has it. He waits, and he makes the catch one away. Reality, he struck out 40. He walked 16 in 20 and two-thirds. That one's out towards center again. Marsh... Coming in under it, makes the catch. One out away from 400 saves. For a lot of Kimbrell's career, he was unstoppable. The 3-2 pitch. Ground ball to third. Harrison's got it. Bobbles for a moment. Fires across the diamond in time. It's save number 400 for Craig Kimbrell. And it comes in the city where he had made his mark originally. And the Phillies win it 6-4. to four. A little individual history. And a chance to soak it in in front of a ton of friends and family. They're going to be able to fly the 180 miles to Huntsville, Alabama without the use of an airplane or a car. So that was Friday night's game in Atlanta, Phillies versus Braves. And as you heard, Craig Kimbrell became only the eighth pitcher in Major League Baseball history to record 400 or more saves. Of those eight, only one other than Kimbrell is still active, Kenley Jansen, who very recently joined that elusive and elite club. Kimbrell has had a great career. It began with the Braves. He was there from 2010 to 2014. And in his career, he has saved nearly 90% of the games in which he had a save opportunity. He has pitched 707 and a third innings in his career. He has given up only 412 hits while striking out over 1,100 batters. So congratulations to Craig Kimbrell on that accomplishment. Now, as usual, there were plenty more highlights from this week in baseball. But there was a story that dominated this week in baseball all through the week. And it went well beyond Major League Baseball media. And the story was about something that was discussed in the bullpen last week. And I would be negligent not to address it again. And the reality is, almost certainly, it will be addressed again in the future. So last week I talked about the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers had invited a group, a group known as the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, to be a part of their so-called Pride Night activities on June 16th. Not only to be a part of those activities, but this group would be honored. And I mentioned last week that a Roman Catholic group spoke up and spoke out about it. And the Dodgers then disinvited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And I mentioned last week, again, Monday morning, that speaking up can bring about change. And then I said, kind of as a side note, at least temporarily, we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out. Well, I believe it was before I went to bed that same day that the Los Angeles Dodgers groveled and apologized to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and then re-invited them to be a part of the June 16th festivities, so-called, and to give them their honor. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Now, we need to understand something. 
this is not fundamentally about the Roman Catholic Church or nuns, or even how bad they're being treated, though that is indeed an issue. It's not even fundamentally about us as Christians. The issue here, first and foremost, is that this group blasphemes the name of Christ. The motto for this group is, Go forth and sin some more. And if you know anything about the actions that they engage in, they are fulfilling their motto in spades. They engage in vile behavior, vile action, vile words. And again, most fundamentally vile of all is that they blaspheme the name of the king of the universe. And the Dodgers didn't simply invite them to be a part of the June 16th night, but they're going to honor them. And what honor are they going to give this group that blasphemes the name of Christ? The Community Hero Award. That ought to upset anybody who names the name of Christ. Roman Catholic, Protestant, Eastern Orthodox, I don't care who you are. Now again, Catholic Vote, who spoke out before, and its president, who spoke out before, Brian Birch, is taking action, has taken action, calling for a boycott of the Dodgers. And Brian Birch sent a letter to the Dodgers. He addressed it to the principal owner, Mark Walter, and the CEO, Stan Kasten. And I'm not going to read the letter. I would encourage you to to go online and check it out. But here's what I find very ironic. So the president of Catholic Vote, Brian Birch, had to send a letter. And he sent it to the two men I mentioned, Mark Walter and Stan Kasten. But here's where the letter was sent to, or this is the address he put on the envelope. 1000 Vin Scully Avenue. In the storied history of the Dodgers, both in Brooklyn and in L.A., I don't know if there is a single person And if there is, it might be Jackie Robinson. But outside of that, a single person more admired, respected, honored, appreciated, whatever words you want to use, not one more than Vin Scully. Vin Scully, the Roman Catholic. Vin Scully, who has a street named after him where Dodger Stadium is located. I also saw a tweet toward the end of last week, I believe, And it was a tweet by Archbishop Salvatore Cordelioni. And he is of the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And I just want to read the final words of his tweet. As he was bemoaning what the Dodgers are doing, he ended by saying, disappointing, but not surprising. And then I love these words, his final three words. Gird your loins. I like that a lot. And it made me think about uh, the, the, the dialogue or the back and forth between Ben-Hadad, who was the king of Aram, and Ahab, the king of Israel. And this is going on, and we have it recorded in 1 Kings 20. And Ben-Hadad, using today's common uh, language, was talking trash and essentially proclaiming victory over Ahab. And Ahab's reply, it's a great reply from a wicked king, but Ahab replies, Let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. That is a classic line. And I think it's a line both sides need to understand. Anybody can boast before the battle. Anybody can boast before the battle is over. 
Don't boast like the one who takes off his armor. And the question I have is, who is going to take off his armor victorious in this battle? As I mentioned, this story is well beyond Major League Baseball media. The Federalist had an article, and it opens up, and actually it's the, uh, I think like the sub-headline, but also the final uh, line of the article with this. Christians didn't choose this culture war, but it's past time they get involved. Amen to that. And they wrote, stop giving them money. Stop watching games. Financially bleed them to the point where events like quote-unquote Pride Night become nothing more than a distant memory. The question is, are we going to gird our loins? Are we going to put the armor on and will we take it off victorious? A couple of other people. One I mentioned last week, Jason Whitlock. He tweeted out this. Professional athletes would rather ally with the alphabet mafia than Christians. Think about that. They're too uninformed or too cowardly to defend the faith that made their wealth and popularity possible. I responded. I I retweeted that and responded with these words, calling out those in Major League Baseball. He, that would be Jason Whitlock, he just called you out. What's your response? Another tweet, this one by Megan Basham. And by the way, Jason Whitlock and Megan Basham were a part of last year's Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. And just as a heads up, this year's conference is going to be at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky in October. Check out what's going on there. But both of these people were at last year's conference. And Megan tweeted this out. Dodgers pitcher at Clayton Kershaw 22 has Colossians 3.23 in his bio. And then she quotes it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. She continued. Manager Dave Roberts has said, quote, My relationship with Christ is the most important thing in my life, end of quote. And then she wrote, Will they be silent as the Dodgers honor this group? Again, I retweeted this and I added this comment. I definitely await an answer to this question. On Friday, the Dodgers and Kershaw tweeted out an announcement. They said, or they wrote, excited to announce the relaunch of Christian Faith and Family Day at Dodger Stadium on July 30th. More details to come, but we are grateful for the opportunity to talk about Jesus and determined to make it bigger and better than it was before COVID. Hope to see you there on July 30th. Is this the answer? Is this the answer that I was awaiting? Is this all we're going to hear from the Dodgers, Kershaw, any other Christians on the Dodgers, or any other Christians in Major League Baseball? Because if it is, it is extremely disappointing. And somebody mentioned when they saw this, oh yeah, just simply add Jesus to the pantheon of gods. And at first I thought, yeah, that's what's going on. And then I realized, no, that's not what's going on. Because the God of the LGBTQ plus community can never be spoken against in any way. Can't be challenged in any way. But Christ can be blasphemed, and that's okay. Now, somebody else also noted that years back, back in 2020, Clayton Kershaw tweeted this out. Silence won't cut it. 
we have to start by saying something and standing up for our black brothers and sisters. So in other words, back in 2020, Clayton Kershaw said silence won't cut it. We got to say something. We got to do something. We have to stand up. My question is, is that going to happen? Now, this isn't just about the Roman Catholic Church, but all Christians. And it's not just about Dave Roberts or Clayton Kershaw or Christians on the Dodgers team or within the organization, but it is about all Christians. Now, of course, I'm talking about in particular Christians that are involved in any level and in any capacity with Major League Baseball. Megan Basham also tweeted this out. Another Catholic bishop calls for a Los Angeles Dodgers boycott. It would really be nice to see more evangelical leaders raise their voices over the Dodgers' decision to honor a group that would so blaspheme the name of Christ. Well, amen to that. But are you hearing any voice from any Christian, and and let's go evangelical Christian, in any position for any major league organization? Because so far, I have not. Now, if you talk to the men who gave their lives for our country, and you can go all the way back again to the War for Independence, to World War I, World War II, the Korean War, all the way up, even more recently to the man we heard about, uh, Major Reich, in 2005, who died in 2005. And I can't say why all of those men through history gave their lives, but I can say this, even as recently as 2005, it wasn't in order for things like this to take place. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, I can't say for certain that if those who died and gave their lives for our country were alive today, they might not say it's a good thing. I'm saying they didn't fight for that because it didn't even cross their mind. Even in 2005, things like the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, things like Pride Night, were not a thought in anybody's mind. This is Memorial Day. Yesterday was Pentecost. Doesn't always happen that way, but there are times, this year being one, in which what we refer to as Memorial Day weekend also happens to be Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost weekend. And in our church, we did have a celebration over the weekend of Pentecost. It began Friday night. We continued it Saturday afternoon into early Saturday evening, and then it all culminated and climaxed with our corporate worship service on Sunday morning. And I want to read something, because we sent something out to the people in our church, by we, I mean our our elders, sent something out to the people in our church to tell them about our celebration of Pentecost. And before it gets into the schedule for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it says this, On the first Pentecost, God ushered into the fallen world a new humanity, an invasion of a people who are alive in Christ in a world that is spiritually dead. Everything about us points to the grace of God the Father, the person and work of Jesus Christ, and the power of the indwelling Spirit. These new people are described as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
And that's from 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. And then it says this, All that we say and do is to glorify the Holy Trinity. I'm wondering, Christians in Major League Baseball, would they read that and rejoice in it? Are Christians in Major League Baseball too uninformed or too cowardly, to borrow Jason Whitlock's words, to recognize that as Christians, all we say and do is to glorify the Holy Trinity and that to do or say nothing about some group and people supporting a group that blasphemes Christ Jesus does not glorify Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but dishonors our triune God. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, all right, Mark, you're getting kind of hot and bothered about this. What if it were you? What if you were a a member of the Dodgers organization? Or for that matter, the way you're talking, what if you were a coach or a player for some other organization and this is going on? What would you do? Well, when I played, this wouldn't have been possible, but in our day it would. I would probably begin by going to social media and writing something like this. I am a Christian, which means I am not my own, but I belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, has fully satisfied for all my sins. He gave his life that I might be free indeed, free from sin and free from damnation. And by his Holy Spirit, he makes me sincerely willing and ready now and always, to live unto him. And so I seek by his grace to speak and live in joyful obedience to his commands. I cannot and I will not celebrate his name being blasphemed. I cannot and will not condone it. I cannot and will not sit by quietly and say nothing about it. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence is a vile group. They are due no honor at all. And those who claim to honor them, those who condone such behavior, even those who remain silent about it, are participating in and encouraging wickedness. Now, no doubt, if I sent something like that out publicly and I had any number of followers, I'm going to get a number of responses saying, who are you? Now, they wouldn't be worded in exactly that manner, but this is a family podcast, so we'll stick with that. And I would respond, I'm nobody. The statement I made, it's not based on my intellectual ability or my righteousness. It's based on the word of the omniscient and holy God of all creation. And here's some glorious news for everybody who's offended by what I said. It is this same God, the omniscient God who knows your every thought, the holy God who is perfectly holy and righteous. He declares in his word, not only what I've already said, but he declares this, that anyone and everyone, and that would include those who are part of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, anyone and everyone who repents of their sin and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of that sin, will be saved. They will be the children of God. 
Now, others being more concerned about me and not angry at me might say, well, but Mark, wouldn't you be fearful of the cost? That's a good question. I'm sure that I would realize it could result in a lot of people hating me, a lot of bad publicity. It would likely result in a whole lot of people calling me everything but a child of God. I believe I would recognize it may cost me money, and maybe even it could end my career. But as I considered that, I would start to ask myself some questions. I would start by saying, All right, Mark, do you truly believe that you are not your own? Do you truly believe that you belong unto your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? Because if I'm not willing to suffer for something like this, if this isn't a hill that I'm willing to die on, then I would wonder, all right, Mark, is there any hill that you're willing to die on? And I would ask myself, if I'm not willing to die on this hill, is the Holy Spirit that was poured out at Pentecost, is the Holy Spirit that to this day regenerates and indwells hearts, is that Holy Spirit in me? If I am will, unwilling to die on this hill, I would have to ask myself this question. Do I truly belong to the one who died on a hill far away on the old rugged cross? But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening. <laughs>